0: Hey, good morning, and welcome to worship at Shays. We're thankful to see those that are with us uh, today, and for those that are online, uh, we're glad that you can uh, watch with us. This is what we call a state of the church, where we talk about uh, sort of of last year, this past year, but also of what's coming forward. You remember how 2020 started. It was a great January. Uh, We were starting our fifth month of moving into this new uh, renovated worship center. Uh, We had the worship center, the lobby. We had lots of momentum. There was excitement as we were approaching our GIC. And our GIC was February 26th through March 1st. And it was an outstanding time of worship as we came together and we locked arms with 35 missionary family units. And it was a time of rejoicing and a time of challenge. And we were so excited. Uh, That week... Janice and I went out of town, and we traveled to Shreveport to be with our daughter, Lauren. And on March 8th, that Sunday morning, Tim Wheat preached, and then everything shut down. Good gracious. Tim, I don't know what you did, but don't do it again. At that point, we entered into a nine and a half months that is really beyond anything that we've ever had to deal with in the past. There was suffering, loss, hurt, grief, and difficulty, Hardly anyone has been untouched personally or through a close friend or an acquaintance. There were leadership challenges with all the uncertainty. The new information that was daily replacing the information that we'd gotten the day before made planning a nightmare. In fact, I told our staff that every time we agreed on a plan, it was written on an etch-a-sketch. And because it would just shake and in 24 hours, it would change and that constantly happened. All of us were frustrated over the uncertainty and the conflicting information coming from the medical community, the White House, the media, and at times we didn't know if we were more scared or if we were more angry. But 10 days ago, the calendar turned, and 2020 is in the rearview mirror, and the number one description that's been given of the year 2020 is, it was a dumpster fire. The number one sentiment is good riddance. But I say, not so fast, always remember that God is sovereign and that he is in control. Job chapter 42, verse 2 says this, and I know it says verse 22, and that is my fault. I mistyped when I sent it to David. So I don't think there are 22 verses in Job. But if you go to verse 2, look what it says. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You know, when Philip met Jesus, in the book of John, it talks about how he met Jesus, and as soon as he met Jesus, he went to find his good friend, Nathaniel. And when he found his friend, Nathaniel, these are the words he said, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael's response was this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? We can ask ourselves the same question. Can anything good come out come out of 2020 and I'm here standing here to tell you today and give you a resounding yes and I can say yes because God is sovereign God is in control and he works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose I want you to think about the New Testament much of the New Testament was written during times of difficulty And if you took the book of Acts and go all the way through all of the epistles, uh, you were seeing writers who were having to write during times of great difficulty. In Jerusalem, the Christians were losing their job. Their family bonds were severed. They were being ostracized by society. They had financial hardships. And on top of that, they had a famine. It doesn't sound like it could get much worse. But yet, when we read the words of Paul and Peter and John and James and all of these in the New Testament... What do we come out of there with? We come out of there seeing God glorified his faithfulness. We see his love, his mercy, and we are encouraged and motivated to live for him. So yes, good can come from trying times. And I'm here to tell you, good can come and did come from 2020. Shades Mountain Baptist Church accomplished some amazing things over these 12 months. And there were a number of moments where all we could do was just lift our hands up and say, God did it. So I want to review 2020, and I want to give you a state of the church and share about 2021 and a major step that we're going to take this year. Now, you don't want to miss this, okay? I know you say, oh, stay at the church. We're going to cover life. You do not want to miss it. If you're watching online, this is not the time to multitask. Don't get up and do the dishes and just take a glance at the screen or so. You stay focused. I promise it will be worth it. God is going to get glorified through what we talk about. Early in March, when the pandemic started hitting Alabama, we met with all of our staff and we met in our student building, socially distanced. And Chad and I began to give directions for what we were doing these next few weeks. And I closed out the meeting by giving our staff four guidelines. And I said, these are the four guidelines that we will practice throughout this pandemic. And I don't have any idea how long it will last. And then two weeks later in April, I sent out a video email and said pretty well the same words to our people and said, these are the four guidelines. What I'd like for you to do today, just follow with me as we do a review of 2020. Look at those guidelines and I want you to see what this church has done and what God has done. And I've got double purpose here, folks. One of my purposes is to give God honor and glory for the way that he continued to work through one of the most difficult years ever. But I also wanna give a pat on the back for this church and for this staff and for these you, are lay people. This was one of our finest hours. And so let's be able to do that together. Number one, the very first thing that I told them is we need to make wise decisions. Make wise decisions. That was to follow the CDC guidelines, try to stay healthy, and it was a challenge to our staff and to our members. We constantly wanted to follow the CDC guidelines. And we pledged, to make wise decisions, to keep in mind the health of our members and guests in every activity that we planned. Now, under making wise decisions, we did two things. The first thing we did was cautiously aggressive. This was the uh, stance that we took, and that is that we were going to be cautiously aggressive. We were balancing the health concerns of COVID-19 and the biblical admonition of Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, he says, and let us Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You are not to neglect meeting together. So how do you weigh those two out? The health and concern of your members and also the biblical admonition of meeting together. So what we did was we started out and we suspended our on-site worship gatherings on March 15. And as the lockouts ensued, the pandemic continued, we wrestled with when and how to bring the church back on campus. We wanted to return to campus because we agreed that we are better together. But what would be the best time and how do you prepare the facilities for this environment? We put together two teams. We put together a Better Together staff team and a Better Together volunteer team. This volunteer team was made up of members of our church from diverse medical media, educational, and business backgrounds, and they represented all different stages of life. And so we would meet with the staff team, and then we'd meet with the volunteer team, and we would discuss all the issues. And after multiple meetings, we made the decision that we could come back on campus on June 28th. Uh, Didn't provide childcare. Just the fact we're gonna come together for worship. Had that June 28th. Then all of a sudden, we brought back some adult Sunday school classes on July 12th, but no kids. Then all of a sudden, August 2nd, we resumed worship care. And on September 13th, we resumed worship care and full Sunday school. And in the midst of all this, just want to remind you folks. Before we brought anybody back on campus, we adhered to our guideline of making wise decisions by implementing rigorous cleaning policies, social distance seating, and mask wearing. We changed a number of our Sunday morning procedures to be no touch, and we tried to create the safest environment possible, and so far we have been successful, and we're carrying the same precautions and preparations into 2021. Then the second thing was creatively adaptive creatively adaptive. Okay, you know, Lauren, you're gonna have them in your worship services uh, here in the building. What do you do? Well, you gotta take them online. Do you just wanna take them online? Or do you wanna take them online? Well, we have such an incredible, creative, forward-looking staff that they said, let's take this and, and, and let's just not just sort of tip our hand to it and say, okay, we'll just do online. No, we're going to make it an excellent viewing experience. And so what we did was we used multiple locations, both inside the church and even outside the church. We even included my house. And so we streamed the Easter service from my house. We enjoyed it so much that we ended up saying, hey, why don't we do a four week series from my house and we went to different different rooms uh, in my house. Uh, we. We only did a four-week series because we only got four rooms in our house, so it worked out great. No, we, so we did these different things, and, and it was just fun. But you see, we also had some fun in doing it because um, as we were doing our filming, we said, what if we did some like outtakes and uh, showed them at the end of the end of the service? Now see, most of you, when the online service ended, you just shut things off. Well, it's like a little credit section was going on for about five minutes, and sometimes we threw something in that maybe y'all didn't see. So just to give you an idea, this was some of the fun that we had. I preached on Philippians 4, talking about kind words and, and uh, being kind to others. And so uh, we did this one outtake. Take a look. Softening language. It is so important, the words that you say and the tone that you use with those words. And this is uh, paramount when you're dealing with your spouse, especially when they're holding sharp objects. Isn't that right, dear? God, I think that was it, that was perfect. Work. <laughs> Just wanna let you know that Janice did get Supporting Actress nomination uh, for, that, uh, for that award. Uh, We not only did this in worship, but Michael and his staff from a music standpoint. Our worship praise teams recorded worship and praise songs from both inside the worship center and then they went to two different locations off-site so that we could have a variety of music that we could plug in for every online service. Our Sunday school classes, they met on Zoom and then they slowly began to meet together in person, off-site and then on campus. I just got to tell you, I am so proud of our staff and our creative teams who kicked into high gear to make the most of this difficult situation. From a creative standpoint, I would say that this was our finest hour. And to cap it off, the evidence was our Christmas special, Hope is Alive now we are a very forward thinking strategic planning staff it was in august sitting around in executive staff is where the discussion came from michael and his team to say you know, we're not going to be able to do Christmas by candlelight in December the way we've always done it. We need to come up with something different. And that team came together and uh, with Ethan and with his team and Michael and his team, they all came together and they said, we want to present a um, hour long Christmas special to be on a network broadcast and also use it to help support the Christian service mission. The production was professional. It was outstanding. And the reach was beyond anything that we've ever done before in the history of our church. As we had close to 50,000 viewers as compared to if we'd done in-house, we would have had 4,000 people in here. But yet... In this situation, we had 50,000 viewers, and at least 50,000 people heard a gospel presentation and raised $25,000 for Christian service mission, and that is a praise the Lord. It is because we were being creatively adaptive during this time. Second, our second goal that I shared with our staff was to maintain fellowship, to maintain fellowship. Chad Kosselboom came up with the idea, and he says, you know what? I think that we need to contact every member of our church during this lockdown. When the lockdown started in April, we didn't know how long it was going to last. And he said, I think we should do that. So he turned it over to Lisa Davis. Now, man, if you know Lisa Davis, when he gave her that challenge, to quote, remember the Titans, she jumped on that like a starving man on a Christmas ham. And she got all over it. And she took it and divided out the entire membership of our church and divided it among our staff where everybody had about 20 names that they were to contact and to do this weekly or every other week and let them know. And so for two months, this is what we did. And we did something different. We told them to call them on the phone, to really call them on the phone. Don't, don't send them a text. Don't send them a tweet. Don't send them an email. Call them on the phone. Now, if you can't get them, you can email them. I I was so committed to this. You know what I called our people from? A landline telephone. Hardly anybody's got a landline telephone. I still got one. It's not rotary, but it is touchstone. And I was calling from a landline uh, to be able to say, hey, how are you doing? Keeping up with our people. It was to maintain fellowship. Our Sunday school classes embraced the challenge. And they were incredible and they were relentless in staying in touch with their class members. Several classes would meet twice a week. They'd meet on Sunday for Bible study and then they'd have another time during the week for fellowship. I got reports that sometimes they played games within that class that were on Zoom. They did trivia games and other things, really got competitive. Someone even had an in-house scavenger hunt. And at times they would have close to 100% attendance in all of these Zoom calls. It's amazing. And as soon as the lockdown ended up, then we had classes that were meeting down at the pavilion, some were in designated parking lots, some were out at city parks, and they were all Zooming in and keeping up with each other. And some classes even connected with their GIC missionary. How creative is that? To contact them and say, you want to Zoom in, you can be a part of our Sunday school class and let's stay in touch with you. Maintain fellowship. The third challenge or the guideline that we gave to our staff was to minister to others. To minister to others. We are not going to hunker down and just focus on ourselves. We're going to keep our heads up, and we're going to actively seek out ministry opportunities. And our goal was not just to take care of existing partnerships. We were not just going to be status quo. We were going to be looking for new opportunities, and this is what God gave us. School adoptions. We have a school adoptions that we started about a couple years ago, and we got six schools. We added a seventh, and we added Pazitz Middle School. And by adding Pazitz Middle School, we now minister to over 600 teachers, 5,000 first through eighth graders, and in these nine and a half months, our teams provided meals, gift bags, snack breaks, and other items of support and encouragement to let the teachers and students know that we love them, and so does Jesus. And so each month we were looking for something that we could do. In April, we provided 50 individual coffee makers to the COVID ward uh, that were of those who were quarantined. Urban Purpose. Urban Purpose uh, was wanting to serve lunches. We had almost 75 of our people that over uh, April and May served over 1,500 lunches as a part of Urban Purpose. The food drive-through. Some of you remember that when it was the first time everybody got to get out and they drove by and they were dropping off food. We had over 350 cars drive through and we collected 12,561 pounds of food. Before we did it, we contacted other churches to say, "Do you want to join?" With us. There's a total of four churches that joined us, and we had over 27,000 pounds of food that came through just that one day. And there are different areas we hit. In May, our community events team and encouragement team provided lunch, notes, and support for over 70 workers at the Diversicare Nursing Home in River Chase. In June, we connected with the Glenwood Autism Behavioral Health Center, provided over 500 pints of frozen custard from Culver's. Don't you wish you were on that staff? Uh, what a great gift. July, we partnered with Guthrie's Chicken Fingers restaurant at UAB and provided lunch for 50 ER staff members at UAB Hospital. And in the middle of August, I get a phone call from Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard grew up in this church, Mike and Daria's son, and he is now an assistant football coach at Central Arkansas. And if you kept up with football at all, the very first game that was played in the COVID area was Central Arkansas. They played Austin Pay in Montgomery. They played on a Saturday. And he said, our next game is UAB on a Thursday. And we're looking at traveling. it doesn't make sense for us to travel all the way back to Arkansas after the game and then turn around and drive all the way to Birmingham. It'd be easy just to buzz up to Birmingham. Problem is, Our athletic budget, we don't have money. We don't have money for food to be able to feed that many people at that time do you think you can help us? I said, do you think we can help you? Just call Tommy DeRamus and called Tommy, and he jumped all over it, brought in other teams, got with some of our merchants uh, that are here in our church, and we provided breakfast for that entire team and support staff on Monday, Tuesday, and also on Wednesday. Then on Tuesday night, David Phillips and his team were doing a cookout, and they came to the pavilion, they cooked out hamburgers and hot dogs. They had 110 football players and support staff crowded in that pavilion. And then over there on the basketball court, sort of spread them out there, fed those guys. And they gave me an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with every single one of those. It all happened because of COVID. And then our very Last thing in December, our first responders team provided personalized Christmas baskets for every Vestavia Hills police officer and firefighter and all the administrative personnel in those departments. Approximately 215 people. Each basket included some snacks, hand sanitizer, and a Christmas devotional booklet from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Our goal was to minister to others And this is what we did in 2020. It wasn't just a time to hunker down. It was a time to be able to kind of be the hands and feet of Jesus and to be able to minister to others. And so the fourth thing was to make Jesus known, to make Jesus known. We didn't know the magnitude, but we did know that there would be people who would die from COVID-19 and sadly would be separated from God for eternity. The urgency to share the gospel was heightened, even as the challenge was more difficult we were not able to make any mission trips. We were not able to put boots on the ground to physically support and help our missionary partners. So we just did the next best thing. Mike Lasby handled International and Tim handled our North America. And what, uh, what Mike did is, uh, Mike began to develop missionary care teams, members of our church who would come together and there were close to 50 members of those And their purpose was to regularly communicate with the missionaries overseas. Those missionaries who are sitting where you're sitting right now, those missionaries who came out of the pews of our church felt God had called them to go overseas to do his work. And so while they were there, we contacted them, stayed in touch with them. We supported them financially, spiritually, and emotionally. And then Mike came back and said, these missionaries over this past year engaged in 1,800 gospel conversations and trained up hundreds of nationals to do the same thing. And we were a part of giving kind of a lifeline to them. And so Tim took 12 of our church planters that we have had partnerships with. And he had, um, he had something that he called coaching and care. And he would make calls to them. And again, we became their financial lifeline and all an emotional and spiritual support and in the midst of all of that, he was hearing stories of how God was moving even during COVID, even in 2020. Now, you know, one of our favorite um, uh, GIC partners is La Chapelle Church in Montreal. And David Pocher, uh spoke here a couple of years ago in uh, one of the darkest areas in all of North America. And yet in the midst of 2020, with all the restrictions... God did some amazing things. At La Chapelle, they were restricted to where they could not even meet in people's homes. They would not allow people to come into the homes. They were so locked down. If you had an assembly hall, you could have 25 or less people that could meet together. Well, they had a desire to baptize people who'd made decisions for Christ. They had 21 people who made decisions for Christ at at one time, and... uh, they said, we're going to have a service. And what they did was they uh, would have a service to where they were going to baptize one person. They'd fill up the baptistry tub. And after they filled up the tub, uh, they, he could have 15 to 20 family members. They would show for the service. They would baptize him. He would rejoice. And after he was baptized and he stepped out, they cleared the place out. They drained the tub. They cleaned the tub. They filled it back up bring on number two. Second person came, brought in his group over here. 21 people back to back to back to back to back to back to back. They did that in the first part of December. Then they had another 15 make decisions for Christ and they did it again at the end of December. That is a praise the Lord that even in the midst of 2020, they're able to see people come to know Christ and also for them to be baptized. And so when we talk about make Jesus known, we think about all around the world and think about North America. But can I just drive it home? Let me drive it home to um, one of our staff members. And if it's okay, I'm going to read, uh, read her story. Lori Forrester works in our uh, uh, CLC and in our Community Life Center. And as a staff member there, uh, we have been praying. When we came up with Who's Your One, the Who's Your One was her sister. And so for... Uh, A couple years we've been praying, and I want to give you reports to what she shared. She says, 14 years ago, my twin sister and I came to faith in college and started praying for our older sister, Amy. Over the last 14 years, she has walked through times of doubt and disbelief, and she found things of this world to satisfy her. We, We oftentimes brought up Jesus in our conversations and tried to point her to scripture, but she inevitably continued walking in her own life and was not interested. In 2015, she hit rock bottom when our mom passed away. And she became so angry with God that she closed off any conversation we tried to have about faith. She watched my sister and me cling to our faith through the loss of our mom, and she continued to hear our stories of mission trips that we'd taken and the work that I get to do through After the Bell and kids camp. She slowly became more intrigued by what kept our spirits high and how we could find joy despite such loss. Amy began listening to Christian radio stations, and she started asking questions about what specific lyrics meant, and this led to her asking about stories in Scripture that she heard referenced in the songs, and as we talked more about the songs, I could tell her heart was yearning for more. In early 2020, when Kobe Bryant died, it really hit home with her knowing that he was so young and leaving behind his wife and kids. She wanted to know that he was in heaven and she began praying for his family and she found a church that she started in Kentucky where she lives and she loved the pastor. Hey, everybody loves pastors. Uh, She would call some Sundays and tell us what she learned and she asked questions that she didn't quite understand and around this time, COVID started ramping up but she still wanted to hear from the pastor so she watched church online for those few months. She started reading the Bible daily during quarantine along with watching the church online, and she began praying for God to show her that he was looking out for her. Once the church resumed in person again, she attended a class that taught the basics of Christian faith, and she truly learned who Jesus was and the price he paid for her sins to be forgiven. And in September... She prayed during a church service to place her trust and faith in Christ because she knew she couldn't make it through this world on her own. The Lord has taught me to persevere in prayer for those far from God to be saved even when it takes 14 years. And I would add, and even during COVID in 2020. Folks, God is sovereign and his purposes will not be thwarted. And so in the midst of a year, when you look back and you see it's like a dumpster fire, we need to remember that God is sovereign and God is totally in control. And him totally being in control, lives are impacted and lives were changed. Who knew if she would ever get to that point, if it hadn't been quarantined, to really dig deep into God's word. Maybe it expedited the decision that she made. And I think that could be true for others. When I sent out the email, a video email in April, I also mentioned to our people to maintain your commitment in giving, okay? And so the fifth point that I would share and close with is magnanimous in giving. This is our challenge in 2020, was to be magnanimous in giving. Listen, we need to understand that giving is never a matter of circumstances, it's a matter of commitment. And it's not like we look and say, well, you know, economy's not real good. Maybe I don't need to give. Well, there's an uncertainty in the future. I don't know. It's not that. It's a matter of commitment. It's a matter of commitment. 2 Corinthians. Uh, David, if you've got 2 Corinthians uh, up there, 2 Corinthians 8. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5 says this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia Yeah, they were taking up money uh, to help the people in Jerusalem going through the famine. And he says, for in a severe test of affliction, did we go through a test of affliction? Yes. It says, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty. Now, I wouldn't say that our folks are extreme poverty. I would say extreme uncertainty. During times of extreme uncertainty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And he says, for they gave according to their means and as I can testify beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. We live this out this year, people. Now, I can tell you, I'm a man at times that will have expectations and, and, and goals and dreams. What happened this year is beyond anything I can imagine. And uh, it's just something that God did from a financial standpoint. Let me just walk you through this real quickly. When you look at our 2020 giving, this is our operating budget. Our operating budget was $8,900,000. Last year, we gave the highest ever in the history of our church of $9,300,000. During COVID, this is what we gave. $10,418,043. Ten million four hundred eighteen thousand and forty-three dollars. We went a one point one million beyond anything that we had ever done, and so what that left us with was that left us with an overage of a million five hundred eighteen thousand dollars. So what do you do with that overage? Same thing that we always do. When you go to the surplus, first thing we do, we give 10% to the cooperative program. 10% goes to missions right off the top. That leaves us with 1,366,239. And we said that every overage goes towards paying down next. That was our capital campaign to renovate this worship center and the lobby over there. So we applied that to next along with the 1.8 million that you gave to next. And look where next is over here. The next initiative, $12,197,164. $12,197,164. Now, this is what the cost was. And within about less, really it's two and a half years, we have given over $10 million. We only owe $2 million on this entire project. We took a $12 million cost and in about two years and four months, we have reduced it all the way down to $2 million, And we've got a chance since we got one more year of giving, of really to be debt-free at the end of this next year and to have this facility completely paid for. That is unbelievable. Next on here. Okay, what about our budget spending? Well, as soon as COVID came along, we took our 8-9 budget and came up with a reduced spending plan of 7.9. We took a million dollars that we said, we're not gonna spend over that. And sure enough, our staff even went under that and went to 7.7. So underspent... A $1,115,157. And um, you say, now, why is that a significant, that's a significant number. And it want you just hold that in the back of your mind, and I'm going to explain it in just a moment. Okay, next. Uh, make Jesus known. Our goal was a dollars second highest in history. You gave a dollars We have 159000 left over in that. You say, what happens to that? Same thing we do every year is we sit down, we look at mission partners and we see who needs additional funds and then we send some to Annie Armstrong and uh, also to Lottie Moon and uh, we just don't want those numbers to stay there. They're to go to missions. And so you put all this together and next slide, our total overall giving, $13.7 million, and our missions giving is uh, $2,627,000, and that represents over 19% of overall total giving. So just about 20% of everything that came in our doors went outside our doors to go to missions. This is a strong and healthy church. And if I had to sit there and talk about the state of the church, I would say that we were, we were very healthy <laughs> And our people have responded in amazing ways, and uh, we're being able to use his resources to bring some things that are just incredible. Um, Let me just tell you, I just gave you a couple things. Um, Over seven years ago, we ventured into a partnership of Bible translation in Nepal. We were contacted by the International Mission Board, and they said, we are looking for a partner that would be willing to make a nine-year commitment And that means that you would start at the very beginning in a Bible translation product when they're putting together dictionaries and glossaries and trying to learn how to teach people language and then go all the way to nine years to when you can get the entire New Testament translated and the book of Genesis. And so uh, we made that commitment. $50,000 $50,000 a year, that's $450,000. So over seven years ago, we made a $450,000 commitment. When you ever, If you look at our Make Jesus Known budget, it is one of the largest numbers on there to the Nepal Bible translation. And uh, as we're entering into the last two years of that, I just got some exciting news for you. They are translating the scripture into six languages there in Nepal of uh, unreached people group people who've never heard the gospel, people who've never had the scripture written in their heartland. At this time, the book of Genesis in those six languages have been translated and 85% of the New Testament has been translated. Those languages represent 1,080,000 people. If you took a census of the Birmingham, Hoover, Metro area, it would be about a million people. In essence, Shades Mount, what we are doing is we are providing the Bible in the heart language of every single individual that lives in an area the size of Birmingham and Hoover and for people who have never read the Bible before, who have no idea what the gospel says. There is an area called the Makmali Village there in Nepal. And they do not allow outsiders to come in because they believe that an outsider brings foreign gods, and when they bring in the foreign gods, then it will cause them trouble. They did contact one of the missionaries over there. They contacted a man who was from that area, and he came and he brought 25 copies of the book of Genesis. And they allowed him to come in and to speak. And he spoke, and he left those 25 copies, and their quote to him was, until today, no one shared with us about this good thing. It is really a very beautiful thing, and come and visit us again. And then COVID hit and shut him down. And he's not been able to go back in there. Well, guess what? They got 25 copies of the book of Genesis. And he walked them through salvation about man's sin and how uh, man needed a Savior. And now they are going to have all these months to be reading that. I can't wait till things open back up. And he comes back in there and we see what God did. How's that happening? That is happening because of your faithfulness. And I want to thank you. And then also what I call the McElwain Miraculous Adoption. Um, we've talked a lot about McElwain. You know about it, how we've adopted it. Uh, We've been praying for three years to find a church that we could adopt and uh, just felt that 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 was God's will for us and for our church and doors have been closed. And... and, and we were approached by McIlwain. It looked like a great deal. Everything worked out. They were a legacy church. They're in an unbelievable area to reach that community. And I was all for it. Let's move forward. And then uh, Tom and his team did due diligence. And they came back. And Tom kept telling me, Danny, there's a lot of expenses there. We got to uh, change out boilers, air conditioning units, re roof, all that stuff. I said, we well, just add it all up. And they added it all up. And he said, It's a million dollars. It's a million dollars. And I remember him telling me that in an afternoon at work, and it was like a blow to the gut. I said, Lord, it's just impossible. I said, everything is all the, it's just like every domino's falling. And I um, had a million dollars during COVID. Who's got a million dollars they can just put towards that? And I remember going home, and I got home, and it's almost if God spoke to me. He says, hey, Danny, you remember your budget was eight nine, and you put your spending plan to seven nine." how much money is that? I said, that's a million dollars. He said, I think you got it. I could not wait till in the morning. I got in, I got with Chad and I said, I found the million. I've got it. I said, it's right here. We've got the million dollars. Listen, folks, I want to tell you, there's no other church in Birmingham that could do this. And there's no, and our church could never have done this except during COVID. It's the only way we'd ever have that amount of money that we could put to it, and it's because of what happened in 2020. And so one of the miracles of 2020 and the sovereignty of God is that we didn't just stay put, but we went out and adopted this church. And it is because God was able to provide that, and I just say amen and amen. Can I get an amen on that? Amen? It's incredible. All right, 2021, real quick, 2021 The focus, the uh, emphasis for 2021 is refocus. Since March 2020, for most of us, our focus has mainly been on surviving the pandemic, responding to constant change, learning and adapting to new technology, adjusting to social distancing, wearing masks, enduring a contentious election season, and longing for the day when things would settle down into some sort of normalcy. And with so much focus on these things, for most of us, there has been little, if any, focus on the Great Commission and reaching our world for Christ. 2021 is a time to refocus. Getting the eyes off of ourselves and our situation and refocusing on growing as a disciple and reaching our world for Jesus. Our mission statement says, sending transformed people to influence our world for Christ. Transform, my eyes on God, change my heart. Sending, that's going out. Influence, going to my spheres of influence to influence people for Christ. That is eyes on others. As we navigate through 2021, we will be paring down the church calendar. We'll be ruthlessly evaluating every program and ministry. We'll be growing deeper and we will be going bolder. It is a time to refocus. And, folks, it's a time to seek out the next pastor of Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Today, I am officially beginning my transition toward retirement and initiating the beginning of a search process for our next pastor. My hope is for our church to have a new pastor by the middle of the summer, and my last day, I'm hoping, will be August 15th. Two questions, I know I'm going over time, but two questions I'll answer for you right now. Why now? Well, why now is I've been working on this for three and a half years, just praying to the Lord to say, when's it best for the church and when is it best for me? And I wanted to do what is best for this church, and I want it to be a strategic decision. If you've read anything at all about what church is going to be from now on out, it says we'll never go back to the days of 2019. It's a new day, we're gonna have to do things differently, gotta look at things differently. And so because of that, we need that next new pastor to come, to be the one that sets that direction to move forward. For me, it's a perfect time to close out a chapter, and it'll be over 24 and a half years of ministry, and to be able to turn it over to a new person, to bring our staff together to say, okay, this is what we need to do. When, we stood, when I stood before you in the next campaign, and I said, one of the things is I want to prepare for the next pastor. And a part of preparing for the next pastor is to make sure that all of our facility issues were done. They are. Part of it was we wanted to be in a strong financial position, hopefully no debt. We're right there to where debt's not even a problem with us. And then I wanted him to be able to have a whiteboard to where there's no hindrances and he could just be free to dream about the vision that God has for this church. And right now, with all the upheaval that we've had, (laughs) there are no hindrances. You can sit there and take a look at a whiteboard. And so it is such perfect timing of our God. I've always said, to quote Rascal flats, I want to be running when the sand runs out. And my goal is to pass the baton to the next leader while I was still running with full vigor and enthusiasm, and I've got it now, and I'll have it till August 15th. So what's next? Well, I'm gonna meet with all of our staff on Monday. Uh, We'll meet with the deacons on Thursday. We have a deacon retreat and we'll finalize the pastor search committee. And then next Sunday, I will provide you details. I need to first cover details with our staff, second with our deacons, and then we'll bring it to you as a church as a whole. To close, I feel honored and privileged to have pastored and continue to pastor this great church for almost 24 years. You folks are the best. I count it a blessing that God has had his hand of favor on us. And as we have witnessed this morning, his hand is on us in 2020. And I'm confident that even greater days are ahead. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have an opportunity to take a time of remembrance and to remember and to see what you did in 2020. And may we never forget all the things that you did. And... um, and how you made yourself known. Your purposes will not be thwarted. Father, I pray that each one of us will take that challenge, and may we refocus our minds to not be on ourselves, not to be so concerned with our situations, but to focus them on you and on others, and let's reach this world for Christ. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen.